Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It was a match I feel we played with a lot of fear. Those are the words of Spurs captain uh, Hugo Lloris following Tottenham's 2-1 derby day defeat to Arsenal. Today I'm joined by JJ Season, Dakota from Podspur TV and Lily White Lane to dissect what was an unforgivable derby day defeat for Spurs with Matt Doherty and Gareth Bale getting criticised, Lamella getting sent off and Jose Mourinho being seriously questioned. I'm Matt Hayes and you're watching the Tottenham Fanboys podcast. It really, really wasn't supposed to be like this, but here we are uh, today talking about Tottenham's 2-1 North London derby defeat to Arsenal. Uh, it started off fantastically, but it went quickly downhill from there. And I'm delighted with this panel that we have today uh, to dissect what went wrong for Spurs, who really was to blame and and where we go from here. But first of all, uh, let's welcome our guest. We've got JJ Season uh, on the on the channel for the very first time. Jay, thank you so much for your time today. How are you getting on? Uh, yeah, not too well. Like, like we said before the uh, before the live started, you know, as uh, as good as we can be after yesterday. But yeah, I'm excited to be on. I'm really happy to be on. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for thanks very much for coming on. We got uh, Dakota. It's been a while since you've been on here, but we're delighted to have you back. How are you getting on? Yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. I got my got my COVID vaccine this morning, so it's been a, a good pick me up after the game yesterday. Uh, yeah, glad to be back on with you, Matt. Thanks for inviting me on. Good, absolutely delighted to have you, and good to hear you got your uh, your vaccine as well. Uh, we've got Robbie here, Lily White Lane as well. How are you doing today? Yeah, all good, all good. It's an honour to be back on the channel to dissect this game, as I say, and hope you're all doing well. And um, yeah, just looking forward to getting into it. Good, and again, uh, to you as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, before we do get started, I just want to say uh, a massive, massive thank you to everyone who's hit that subscribe button and watched those videos, because during the live watch-along yesterday, uh, we hit 6,000 subscribers and 900,000 views on the channel. Uh, so thank you very much to everybody. We're on the final push for 1 million views, which is a crazy, crazy thing for me to say. Uh, but let's do our best to get there and see if we can get there in the next couple of months. Uh, as well, to anyone who is listening on any, any audio podcast platforms, make sure to follow the podcast down below and check me out on Twitter at MattHayesTHFC. But without further ado, uh, let's dive into uh, this horrific performance from Spurs yesterday. Um, there's there's no other way to, to put it, really. And the first thing I do want to talk about is those comments uh, from Hugo Lloris, of course, our club captain, coming out after a Derby Day defeat, saying uh, it was a match I felt we played with a lot of fear. Uh, Jay, we'll come to you first in this one. It's it's strange to hear those comments from our captain, but for me, it's even stranger that 
they they have an echo of truth to them, don't they? Uh, I, I think the thing with me, and I think it was the whole band, fan base that saw it, I think, um, you know, if you look at what happened on Twitter yesterday with the amount of legends that have played in that fixture before, um, you know, knowing what that fixture means to the fans, you know, especially, I don't know whether the game would have been different uh, either positively or negatively if the fans were there during the game. Uh, but yeah, it definitely looked like uh, Arsenal knew it was a derby and, and we just thought it was a training match. And and that playing with fear, when the when it kicked off and Arsenal were on us, you know, there was that sustained pressure for like 20 minutes where, you know, I was sat watching it and I was like, oh my God, we're going to concede within like 20 minutes. Like these are all over us. So mm-hmm. I think the comments are totally justified and, you know, you would never have known that it was a derby ever. And that for me is the biggest concern because you can always talk about uh, a manager needing to motivate his players for games and needing to be that man to to get the mentality right. But for for players of Tottenham Hotspur, being motivated for a North London derby should be the most natural thing ever. And if anything, the manager should be trying to kind of ground them a bit and make them more kind of stable and, and mentally ready for the game, so they're not too excited going into it. Is is how I would look at it. And and there's, there's a good point here in the in the comments, Dakota, a 92 flamethrower. Uh, everyone who is tuning in, thank you very much. Uh, says what is concerning is we basically played our best eleven and they weren't pressing. It, aside from, you could argue whether Matt Doherty or Serge Aurier was a better option at right back, but if if you'd asked any Spurs fan to lay out the, the 11 for that game, the 10 players other than the right back would have been the, the best players for that. So with, with that lineup that was so great, why why didn't the players actually, why weren't they able to go out and, and make this a derby? Yeah, I I think that's that you know that's the million dollar question, right? Of, of why why didn't this team go out and play like they had for the last five games where they won 13 to 1? Over the, la- over, over the last five wins. And I, I think the, the question kind of falls, I think, uh, initially I, I thought to Jose, but then hearing his, his uh, comments after the game yesterday and then hearing that kind of backed up by Alistair Gold's uh, article where he kind of backed up that Jose and Joe Sacramento were telling the players, you know, press, get into this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of seemed like the players took it on themselves to sit back and absorb that pressure and hey, we're just going to do exactly what we did in the reverse fixture. We're going to kill him on the counter. We're going to get this over with early. And, you know, Sun goes down 17, 19 minutes into the game, and you've got to blow that up, and, and you've got to start – you've got to basically start from scratch. And mm-hmm. the players on the field didn't do that. So I put a lot of blame on Jose Mourinho yesterday. Uh, and, you know, hearing – hearing his words backed up by someone else, because we all know that Jose Mourinho doesn't exactly like to tell the truth all the time. Uh, I, I think I kind of want to take that back a little bit and put a lot more of it on the players who didn't you know, treat this like the game that it was and didn't go out there and, and step on throats and actually get it over with early. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I fully agree in that one. We got a, po- a good point here as well from Jamie in the live chat saying losing is never the problem. It is how we lose it is the problem, the mental attitude. And Robbie, totally I think agree. we've spoken about this a, a few times on the on the watch longs as well. That you know, going out and losing isn't the isn't the worst thing in the world. Like if we gone out yesterday, we played our best football, uh, we, you know, and we were ultimately outclassed by opposition. You can understand that defeat in that regard. But when we're going out and we're almost handing the game to an Arsenal side who ultimately are a mid-table team and didn't really play particularly well for the level that they can play at yesterday. Why, why do you think the attitude just, just isn't there in these players? Look, Matt, I think it was ludicrous. I think it was absolutely ludicrous yesterday. And for me, the players have to take some of the blame, but at the same time, Jose has to take some of the blame. Now, I'll dissect my thoughts on it, because I see this game from a standpoint as it's a North London derby, it's at the Emirates, and we start the game cautious, right? 
And we know these players can press. Pressing and attacking footballers is exactly what's worked over the past few weeks, right? Pressing, attacking, basically getting the ball, being clinical on goal. That's worked. And it worked with these same players that shows they've played right now, even a couple others. Better players than we've played over the past few weeks. The likes of Rachel on over Davies. Yet, it's clear to see for me that Jose was playing cautious as it was at the library at the Emirates. Playing cautious, sitting back, looking to absorb the pressure and get a magical moment. Now, we played right into their hands because we kept it tight. All right, right. We kept our midfield line and defensive line tight. But we kept it so tight, so closed in, not out wide whatsoever. And we know Arsenal's tactics are find someone out wide, whether it be um, Saka or... Um, Who's their left back again? Uh, I've forgotten. Tierney. Whether it be Saka, Tierney or, you know, Martinelli or whoever's on that right and left hand side. Pass it to them, you know, build up the pitch, pass it to them, cross it in and hope for the best. That's clearly their tactics. It's worked before. Yet once again, for me, Jose Mourinho goes back to playing cautious football. It comes to cost us. We concede right before half-time because of this bad mentality. And I believe this bad mentality is down to Jose Mourinho. You know, you can't tell your players to play cautious and then five minutes into the game, tell them not to play cautious. Because it's clear to see these players, you know, that I've been criticising for a long time, have put in performances recently. They have put in good performances. Yet, it's clear to me that these players are being told not to press high. These players are being told not to attack. And we're just exposing flanks for them, left, right and centre. And as I say, it's so disappointing. Like, like you say that, Matt, you know, it's the way you lose a game. If we attack, attack, attack and give it a roll, you know, press and press and press and we lose that derby 3-2 or it's a draw. I'm like, OK, we lost it. As much as I hate admitting it, fair play to Arsenal. They were the better team of the day. But it weren't like that. We played cautious. We've learned before that playing cautious doesn't work. So we try a new thing, pressing. We try a new kind of front four. That works. And then for a big game, you change it back to playing cautious and it costs us. This isn't the same... Uh, Tottenham Hotspur um, that we saw earlier in the season. And that comment right there, that point, I believe the issue is with these players and why they can't get up is confidence. A lot of them are confidence players. You can see when we're playing well and we're having good games, certain players start to step up. Now, there's a few players on that pitch who step up week in, week out, day in, day out, game in, game out to give it their all. But a lot of that team, a lot of that team relies on confidence, right? They just rely on confidence. We saw it before, you know, Eric Dyer, when we were playing fantastic, was one of our best players in the 2-0 against Arsenal and the 2-0 against City. One of those brilliant results earlier in the season. Yet the team starts playing bad and he turns into a woeful player. You see it here and there with Sanchez. But I just think it was ludicrous last night. But as I say, I'll hand it back over to you, Matt. Yeah, no, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, Robbie, um, as, as you always do. Uh, Jay, one of the points there that Robbie made was about how Arsenal do kind of over-rely on their, their left-hand side and getting the ball to Abukaya Saka and Kieran Tierney. And... As, as we said earlier, the, the one part of Spurs' team that was so weak was down that right-hand side. And before the game, fans identified Matt Doherty as the weakest point in our team and, and Mikel Arteta did as well. What, what did you make of Jose's decision to play Doherty there ahead of Serge Aurier, even though the, the Ivorian is just coming back from injury? I, I don't know what it is with Doherty for me and, and Jose's affliction with playing him all the time. Um, you know, I've said this many a time. Well, the reason Wolves sold him was because they were transitioning into a back four as a team. They, they were done with the back five as a tactic. The wing-backs were going. They were dropping to a four. And they made bucks off the fact that Jose liked Doherty in the documentary. Do you know what I mean? Like It's like they watched the documentary, saw those comments, and was like, oh, yeah, mate, we'll sell him to you. You know, it's it's yeah. um, it, it, it's crazy. Um, as as for the game, uh, you know, obviously, yeah, Aurea, I think, would have been a logical choice. I saw someone in the chat earlier 
um, say that, you know, they would rather have Tanganga there um, at right back. You know, it's the derby. He's a young, he's, you know, he's a youngish kid. He, he, he's played in big games before. There's no reason why you couldn't have given him a chance. Um, but for me, like, if I was Arteta and I saw that, you know, I saw as soon as I saw the lineup, I was I've got you got Tierney, who's arguably, and it kills me to say it, is arguably one of the best left backs in the league at the minute, in my opinion. And then you've got oh, whoever Arsenal put out on that side. Not only have you got one issue, they're just going to double up and overlap runs. And Doherty, and I think you'll probably get onto Bale later, but you know mm. that was the issue in in that first half was it was just it was just relentless. Every time Arsenal got the ball, no matter where they got it on the field, their first thought was to switch it to their left side so they could attack our right every time, and and it just exposed us. It really did. Absolutely, and there's uh, we can talk all we want about the the quality we have in that front four and the the double pivot midfield, how strong it is, or our left back, and even the defense center defensive partnership that that has been so good lately. But when you do have that one kind of void in your team, that massive weakness, and when that exploited, there's there's not much you can do with those other ten players when you know everyone's going to be fearful about that side down there. And you know we see it a lot with goalkeepers, but I think it's a similar situation when they don't kind of trust the player that is out there. There there will be an element of of fear uh, within the the entire way they do play. And we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, the comments Dakota mentioned from from Alistair Gold about how Jose may actually have been wanting the players to play higher. But we'll touch on on Gareth Bale now, Dakota, because uh, Shepard here says it's not Matt Doherty, it's Gareth Bale. Fulham and Scott Parker were the first to identify that weakness. Bale can't press. Now, I think with that front four we played yesterday, I'll ask, I'll ask this question again in a second, but on the point of Gareth Bale, do you think it was his responsibility to help Gareth or help Matt Doherty back there? Or do you think, like in the past, we've seen Musa Sissoko be the man double up on uh, with on our right-hand side? Do you think maybe Tongi and Domley should have been helping out more there? So I, I'm a big proponent of Tongi playing in that pivot with uh, Pierre-Emile Hoybier. I, I've been kind of calling for that since man, maybe like September. Uh, so I was really excited to see it happen. And I think that's Tongi's best position. However, he's not going to cover that that side like Musa Sissoko does because Tongi is more worried about getting the ball and progressing it forward where you know Sissoko is more of a defensive presence. We've seen Gareth Bale kind of track back and, and provide some defensive help before. Uh, so I'm not sure why he wasn't doing that yesterday. And you know, Jose has come out and said that Gareth Bale basically picks his minutes. So if Gareth Bale picked his minutes for yesterday and said, I want to be on the field to start the match, uh, and then he goes out and doesn't really look super interested in getting involved in the play, that kind of throws up a red flag for me of, of kind of what, what's going on here. Um, you know, is did Jose say, you know, let, let's go out here. We're going to play some attacking football. We want your, I want your left foot on the pitch to whip in some crosses and to put a ball in the back of the net. And then, you know, whatever happened, the team's been more defensively and, and Gareth just gets a little disinterested. So I don't know exactly what happened, but we do need Gareth Bale to do that defensive work if he's going to be on the pitch and that is going to be our style. Again, if we're looking out to play really offensively, we don't have to necessarily worry about it as much. But if, if the plan is to sit back and absorb pressure and kill him on the counter – and Gareth isn't doing his job, then absolutely he needs to, you know, sit out a game. And if that was the game plan coming out, it, it really boggles my mind of why Steven Bergvine wasn't even in the squad because that is his, that's his bread and butter. That is his game mm-hmm. is playing that defensive winger spot. And, you know, some people maybe even forgot that Steven Bergvine plays for, for, 
for Spurs. He's not been in the squad or on the pitch for a long time. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, I hope we see him on Thursday and he can get a, a run of form going and, and get back on the field in the prem because if we are going to go back to playing this absorb the pressure and, and kill him on the counter like we were earlier in the season, we're going to need a peak Stevie B playing on that right-hand side because it seems like Gareth Bale is not always interested in providing that that support that he needs to playing that style. Yeah, and, and that for me kind of does bring it back to the point of, of whether or not Jose was was actually wanting us to play attacking football or um, or play defensive football because there's um, uh, part of this interview that, that Hugo Lloris did with RMC Sport after the game yesterday. He said, something we've been doing well recently is switching the play with the left foot of Gareth Bale. Um, kind of touched on the importance that, that he, he has uh, come to have in this team not a like a fringe player like it was earlier in the season. He's really important to the way we attack. And you know, we, all these reports, but there's there's not too much uh, attack and training done, and the players are relying on moves that they learned under Pochettino. There is starting to become a bit more of a of a philosophy in that kind of attack that we have. And one of those bits is Lucas Moura in that number ten. Uh, now, Crazy Win here says uh, yesterday it was only Lucas giving one hundred percent. And Phil Ambrose asked the question: If Jose is the tactical master, why not move Lucas out to that side and move Bale infield if that's it? Uh, if it's really obvious that he can't press, uh, which which uh, Phil does disagree with. Robbie, do you think if we had been parking the bus? that Lucas would have been out on that right-hand side and Bale in the 10. Do you think the the, the order that those players were playing and kind of leans towards perhaps a, a more attacking intent by Jose Mourinho in this game? No, I, I really don't believe that we went out there to attack. I believe we went out there to play cautious and defensive. If we would have went out there to attack, we would have been pressing because we know these players can press. Now, whether they're deciding to sit back, that's a whole different story. I won't find out the answer to but I believe it shows him, you know, I believe, you know, you can't criticise his team selection, in my opinion. And I just believe the players somewhat did let him down. But at the same time, you can't play cautious after changing something and it works. And I just want to comment on what Dakota said there. I think he's absolutely spot on. Because in my opinion, look, it's clear to me the reason Bale was so far forward. Because the way we were looking to play is let Arsenal have those spaces out wide, you know, clear it from the box and basically play the long ball, find either Bale or Sun out wide. Obviously, Sun had to come off. Lamella wasn't the best at doing uh, the best at doing that. Obviously, he had to come back. And um, obviously, you know, Lamella's not the type of player who's going to wait up there. If the ball's in the box, he's going to charge down there and put in a tackle, right? Because that's what Lamella does. And as soon as Lamella came on, although he got that magical moment, that went from the team. And I believe, you know, it's the way that it shows they set up the cautious play and looking for the long ball to either Bale or Sun, which did come to cost us. Because, you know, we expect to get lucky just like we did in that 2-1 win um, last year. I'm not going to say the 2-0 uh, one wasn't lucky because that was just a masterclass. But you look at that team there and you look, the teams probably that we played there worse than this team. Once again, it's the confidence players and it's the tactics. We know these players can do it now, in my opinion. I think there's a lot of players who are fantastic and I think we are underachieving. But you have to look at Jose's tactics. And you know, Matt, I'm I'm massively Jose and I think you need to give him time. It, I think you need to give him time. If he doesn't get top four, um, if he doesn't get one of three things, top four, Carabao Cup or the Europa League, then you have to ask questions to the manager. But for the time being, I'm Jose in. But you have to look at that North London derby loss and see this is the game that means everything for the fans. And trying to play the long ball and counter-attack that way is not the way you play. You know, it's not the same Tottenham Hotspur team with all that confidence top of the league earlier in the season. This is a Tottenham team that needs wins. We're getting wins from starting new tactics and basically transitioning our team to a more attacking style of play. Yet we change it for a big game. And it's confused me, you know. I didn't sleep that well last night because I was just thinking, why change that? Why do this? Why do that? And 
I just believe, you know, the substitution, and I'll touch on this right now, the substitution for Bale was absolutely ludicrous. You take off a right winger for a central defensive midfielder when we're 2-1 down, right? 2-1 down, you're taking off a right winger for a defensive midfielder. I cannot understand that because one, you're 2-1 down, you're not winning this game, you're not drawing it, you're losing it, right? And two, Mora has to go on that right-hand side when we all know he's much, much better playing kind of uh, straight behind Harry Kane. We all know that's worked recently. He's, he, he's played a lot better. And as soon as he moved over there, it was non-existent. That's down to Jose Mourinho's tactics as well. Bring on to Soko, I believe. And Domble pressing high, he becomes non-existent in the big games. Ali came on, he wasn't good whatsoever. And in my opinion, you know, if you're going to take off Bale, the perfect player for me is Stephen Bergwijn to bring on. And, you know, I just think the guy can track back also do that defensive work. But at the same time, although he can't finish his dinner recently, he can't put the ball in the back of the net, can't put it in the un uh, back of the onion bag. But in my opinion, he's that type of player who can track back defensively. He can actually cover the um, cover the right back, as I say, cover Doherty. Because Doherty was left very exposed by himself while Bale was up top looking for the long ball. You need someone to track back, cover Doherty, double up on, um, on Tierney, as I say. And bang, then we can counter-attack properly. But... Why take him off for a defensive midfielder when you've got options such as Steven Bergvine and um, even, you know, other options? Who says we couldn't have brought on Vinicius and see how he does there? But that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah, I feel like you've made a good point there, like just bringing another player on. I think I, earlier on in the season when we were kind of struggling to, to hit that form, there was people saying Deli Ali shouldn't be anywhere near that team. And I was calling for Ali partly because I, I do think there's a lot of quality there. But also when things are going wrong, you might as well try something new. You know, whatever... whatever reason was yesterday what we were doing simply wasn't working until Arsenal went to protect their lead later on and we were able to go out and attack them which is something that has happened way too often um in our season this year with the likes of the game against Crystal Palace the game against Fulham where you know we're, we're really poor and then all of a sudden the last minute when we need to go and get something it's it's too late and there's not enough time there to do that but I just want to touch on these uh comments from Alistair Gould which he did mention um he said watching Mourinho on the sidelines on Sunday you can see how frustrated he gets with the lack of movement forward into space from his team he is constantly yelling his players' names, instructing them to press higher up the pitch, and his assistant, João Sacramento, shouts press more than any other word in the, in the English language. Jay, what do you make of those comments? Um, I think it, I think it, hearing that, and, and obviously it's come from Alistair, so it's, it's quite a reliable source in that sense, you know, hearing that, I think, uh, it doesn't silence a lot of the Jose critics, but... I think it I think it goes back to what we've all alluded to with confidence with the players. Obviously, yeah, okay, we're coming off a five a five win streak, but look at look who we played. You know, if you if you, as much as it's great to say, oh look, we've got five wins, look who we played. You know, we, we didn't play anyone that I wouldn't expect us to be able to, even with our defense, go out, attack and beat. Right. Play against a good team, and it just seems that these players are just like, well, I don't know about that. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm good enough to play this football against these. And if 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 Jose and Yao are saying these things, and they are telling the players to do this, then there's nothing they can do. Once that eleven's out on the pitch, there's nothing they can change. You know, we, you know, Robbie's kind of said we did see a cautious start to the game, but then if Jose identifies that and goes, look, we're just getting pressed to hell, and then tells them, all right, guys, like change it up, start pressing you'd expect 11 players that play for Tottenham to be able to press in a North London derby. You know, it's it's just, it's absolutely, absolutely, you know, ludicrous to think that, um, uh, that the players didn't want to do that. And to hear that Jose was shouting these things, it, it shows that it's part of, it's not him. 
and it is these players you know a lot of this squad is the same squad that was you know under under Pochettino that you know saw the downfall of Pochettino um and now with Jose you think okay what is the characteristics of these players do these players only want to play when they play crap teams you know <laughs> do, do they go oh well I've got a chance to score in today I'm not going to have to work hard for a goal because Bale will do something amazing or Kane will do something amazing you know these big games is when when we're really starting to see uh, the true character of these players in my opinion yeah and I, I saw a, a really really concerning stat yesterday after the game uh, we beat Arsenal in December uh, to or was it end, end of November start of December to go top of the Premier League table now since then we've played eight teams uh, while they were in the top half of the table seven of those were in the league and one of those was in the cup against uh, Everton of those eight games we've lost all eight now this is not just the big six teams this is not your, your man cities your united this includes west ham uh, this includes as i said um everton as well and i'm sure there's another iffy team in there a team that we, we should be beating uh even if we if we don't show up 100 with the quality that we do have in there um there were, just back to those the, the jose tactics dakota um what i've noticed from when spurs parked the bus and for me the, the game against fulham last week the moment i i noticed we parked the bus is when this happened we sat back into a 4-4-2 and then dombele was in the high press with harry kane that that for me is the trademark and the the, that's when you know we have gone into that four four two or th- that that low block. That didn't happen yesterday. When Arsenal were in possession, even earlier on in that game, as Jay said, it was really cautious from us. We were playing a high line. Uh, we were still in that kind of four two three one formation. There was no none of those trademark signs of of our low block. What what does that suggest to you about who was actually responsible for us playing so deep and so uh, so pragmatically? Yeah, uh, I I'll, I think I'll, I'll repeat what I said earlier, and I think it's the players going out and thinking that they're going to do exactly what they did to Arsenal. Uh, in in December, and that's sit back and kill him on the counter. Um, and I I think you know while that worked in December, I think you've got to ride with what's going with what's working for you right now, which is playing that attacking football. You know, it we've won our last last five, and and like Jay said earlier, you know that's not been the best opponents, but at the same time, you can only you can only beat the team that's in front of you. Right. So we're getting the job done and we're doing it in a specific way. And then we walk into a game against our biggest rivals with a chance to do the double over them for the first time since the seventies, the 1970s. And we completely fluff it. We, we get timid and we get scared. And I think that that speaks a lot to the mentality of the team. And I think that speaks a lot to um, kind of the, you know, we just got done talking about character and, I think if if you have a Spurs shirt with any name and number on the back that isn't Sun or Kane, you maybe don't want to order a new one for next season quite yet because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of players left over from this squad if Jose is going to accomplish what he wants to at Spurs. I think we're going to see, and I think, frankly, we need a pretty big overhaul in the summer if if the club is going to get where fans want them to get. You know whether that is Daniel Levy and the board's um, goals or not. Who knows? But but it's our goals. We want to see our team lift trophies, and mm-hmm. to do that, we're going to have to dip into that piggy bank that that we know is quite large, but is also pretty uh, tightly wrapped. So we'll see. And and that is that for me kind of sums up the the problem that we're having at Spurs. We've already heard reports that if Spurs are to buy in the summer, we need to sell first. And like you look at that team, and I, I had this debate recently. Um, I, I forget what channel it was on. It might have been on a Leeds channel, actually, in terms of 
Spurs need to sell to to get players in, but there's there's a lot of deadwood there. But how much are you really going to get in for for those players? Like if you're looking at the likes of uh, Harry Wings, who a lot of Spurs fans want to see the back of uh, your Ben Davises, maybe even Matt Doherty and players like that. You know, we can sell them all we want, but in a pandemic market, are you going to get enough money for them to bring in the Marcel Sabitzer that we want, to bring in the Milan Skriniar that we want, to the Max Irons that we want? I just don't feel as though there's enough. Uh, enough of a balance there in order to get in the players that we do want and then it, it begs the question why appoint Jose Mourinho in the first place when you know he's a manager that, that's going to need money to even come close to success and look then it just brings up the whole Jose, uh, Jose again. Right? it is that, that's what it, it is, is enough in the circles 100% and I saw a comment there a while ago saying we'll be talking about the same things next season and it, it really does feel as um as though we will be but Robbie I just want to ask you quickly some people are saying it was Jose's tactics, and I, I know you do feel uh, that was the case, but with, with Lloris and the way he said the, the team played with fear, do you think there was any part of that yesterday that was down to the players just being worried, as Jay kind of said, worried that they can't play against this type of opposition? Do you think the players dropped a bit deeper maybe than they than they had been told? Look, in my opinion, I put a lot of it down to Jose, but at the same time, you have to look at some of these players and look at their effort. You see him walking around and Dom Lay for me looked very lethargic and lazy. Many of our players just didn't want to turn up for it. And, you know, you do have to deflect some of the blame. What you were talking about, about the investment there, you know my thoughts on this, Matt. I feel very, very strongly about the board. You know, last mm-hmm. night after the North London derby, I was shooting a dartboard with Daniel Levy's face on it because I feel very, very strongly about that. And my opinion on it, right, I just think at the end of the day, like you say, there's Jose Munoz, the manager, who wants to get back. He needs money. Basically, his CV says, if you give him money, you back him with the players he wants, he will achieve for you, right? The issue is this board hasn't backed him with the players he wants. They haven't done any business in the January transfer window and then expect him to come out here for the second half of the season against the Brightons, the Arsenals, the Everton's and win those games and progress. It's like, you know, here's where I get sick of Daniel Levy and some of our board because you have to look at it and say, Deli Ali's a tremendous talent. I know that, many other people know that. But Daniel Levy butting in the January transfer window and saying, no, you can't sell Deli Ali. I, I, I don't want you to sell him. Hang on a second, Levy. You're the owner, right? If Jose Mourinho says, I want this offer done, or, okay, someone's put through this money. Can I do it? I want to do it. I'm the manager. You don't all of a sudden say no and put in your thoughts. You're not the one managing. You're not the one coaching, Daniel Levy. I'm sorry, but you don't have nowhere near as much football knowledge as Jose Mourinho. And in my opinion, the reason he's not achieving right now is because he's got a group of players and this goes back to my point that I was saying weeks ago, and it slowed down. <clears throat> Sorry about that. It slowed down over the past few weeks because we've won a couple of games. Those games are winnable, like both of you said. Those games are games we expect to win. Yet once again, we find ourselves in a situation when it comes to the big game, Jose plays cautious because he's afraid of losing. He knows if he loses, he's going to take a lot of the blame. And here I am right now blaming Jose and we know for playing cautious football. Yes, it wasn't right yesterday, but you have to look at the scouting, you have to look at the business done. You look at that January transfer window, although, look, barely any team spent any money, but Liverpool bringing in two players, Arsenal bringing in a couple players, as I say, a couple teams bringing in a few players. We brought in no one, yet at the same time, we didn't sell no one. We didn't loan out anyone. We loaned out one of our youngsters. That's about it. We had no business done, and we expect this manager to go out there and basically perform for the second half of the season. But... Going back to, because um, I can rant about that all day, but going back to my thoughts on um on the performance, I do think a lot of players weren't positionally there. They were out of position, regular on, as I say, weren't making his runs from zone 
12 and 13 all the way up until 17 and 18. You weren't making those diagonal runs across the pitch. And it seemed to me that it was just a shambles. And it seemed to me that these players were getting way too cautious. The amount of times we gave away the ball, I don't know um, if you guys spotted it, but it's like every single time we got it, we gave it over to them. It's like a tennis game. And I was I was getting absolutely sick of it. And like you say, Matt, it's the way you lose these games. And for me, the players do have to take some of the blame. For me, it's a, it's the bigger picture. It's the board, it's the players, and it's Jose Mourinho. Because half of these players, if you ask me, weren't Jose's first choices. They weren't Pochettino's first choices. And they're leftovers, basically, from from the Pochettino era, who are still here because of the lack of investment from the board. And that's the reason they're not performing. I don't believe they put in a good enough performance yesterday. But for me, Jose does have does have to take a lot of the blame for yesterday. Yeah, and look, again, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. And I feel this is this is kind of, for me, in a way, what, what separates the, the the kind of stereotypical Jose out and Jose in fans. The, the Jose out fans, like, for anyone who's watching who may not know, I, I do support Jose Mourinho, but what I always get in my comments or all I always get in Twitter is, all oh, you Jose in fans will never, uh, you'll never criticise Jose Mourinho. As, as Robbie's done there, and as I do quite often, I criticise him when, when he deserves to be criticised. And like no matter how no matter how bad the players are, if a season is going as wrong as what we're how our season is going now, at times the, the manager does does need to take the blame. And when when that is deserved, we, we will give it to him as as much as as it is deserved. And I think in the past he's been probably more culpable uh, than he was in, in that game yesterday. But it's. Some of the Jose fans who will never praise Jose. I think I saw a tweet actually that was absolutely perfect. It said, "Um, when when we lose the game, it's Jose's fault, but when we win the game, it's individual brilliance." And you know that, that is the case sometimes, but uh, but but not all the time. Uh, Jay, we've got a question here for you from Holly. Uh, says, "Has Lamella's shirt come out of the bin yet, or is it still there?" Ah, <laughs> uh, well, just for some context for people that don't know, um. But I can't remember what game it was, but I went on Holly's podcast and uh, I started the podcast with Lamella's shirt wrapped around my bin because that was where it was its new home. I can't remember what game it was. And and I, I said then, and I, and I still say now, you know, he's always been uh, my cult player at the club, always been one of my favourites, um, just because he's, uh, I don't know how PG the stream is, but, you know, he's a little bit of a, you know, house, you know, he, he <laughs> you know, he, he, he puts himself about, um, and I think it's an Argentinian thing because I, I see the same in Geo. Um, but with Lamella, I, I don't. I just I I have never seen a player play for our club that can go from hero to zero in the space of t- just every game. It just seems every game. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, every game he plays, he, he's just you know he's an absolute. Uh, you know he, he blows my mind. Like the goal, like. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 24, but I screamed like I was a 12 year old boy. You know, I, I thought the chandeliers were going to break in the living room. You know, that kind of thing. Like it, it's, it was ridiculous. I, 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 I've never seen that sort of excellence in a finish in, in that kind of game. And, and then, uh, and then for him to get sent off. And if uh, we were discussing before we went live, the, the sending off for me was just daft because um, Dakota said it perfectly. Lamella had to take a step over to Tierney to put his hand into Tierney's face. You know, it's just like, and and it's just stupid because it doesn't matter how much you touch them in the, like hit them in the face. It doesn't matter, whatever. It's in a derby. You know for a fact that Arsenal player is going to hit the floor. And why wouldn't he? He's already yeah. on a yellow. 
I saw Lamella make more crunching tackles after he got his first yellow than before he got his first yellow. You're like, what player does that? Like, there was only people... seven minutes in between the two yellows. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. But, you know, mm. he's that was it, man. He he. We've been singing his praises the last couple of games, and then he goes and does that in the biggest game. And that goes back to what I was saying to you earlier about look who we played, look who played well in those games. We go into a big game and then Lamella becomes Lamella. Yeah, it's this just, game was like a, it, this game was a small, like Lamella's whole career was wrapped up in this game, right? Mm. An amazing goal, incredible work ethic, crunching tackles, and then got sent off after he came on <laughs> yeah. as a sub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's ridiculous. I think he's, he's just the, uh, the fifth substitute to score and get sent off in a Premier League game uh, in, in history. So it's 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 not a thing that happens very often, but uh, you wouldn't put it past Lamella. And just just for context, I have uh, like notes written out here in a piece of paper beside me and I have like different points for every player. Beside Lamella, I just have a question mark because I, I really do not know what we can say about this guy and and just what he is, to be honest. it's And look, the fact that we're here 35 minutes into the into the stream and we haven't yet pointed out that he scored a Rabona in a North London derby, it's, it's bizarre. And I think for me, Rabona, that is kind of everyone and nutmeg as well and on thomas party oh it's just beautiful but it, it almost doesn't matter because of because of how bad things went and, and jay you made the point as well that um it, it, it could be one of the like the best north london derby goals but it, it just it, it doesn't matter at this stage and aside from the the defeat another thing that went horrifically wrong for spurs was of course hungman's son uh went off injured with with a hamstring injury it's a muscle injury we you know he's played more games than more minutes than any other outfield player at spurs this season it is a massive massive concern and yesterday wasn't the first day where Hoyman's son was taken off the pitch and we lacked all creativity. And we can we can look as much as we want at Harry Kane as our as our chief playmaker and the you know the man with the most goal contributions. It's been uh, an incredible return from this season. But Dakota, without Son on the pitch, we just aren't creative. I don't know what it is, but do you think there's a way that we can overcome that if if Son's injury does turn out to be more long term than we might perhaps think? Yeah, I, I think so for sure. I think we I think we lack creativity. When Sun is off the pitch, because our like plan A and I guess plan B also is Harry Kane dropping deep and Youngman Sun making that outside in run that he always does. That he always seems to find the ball just happens to be right on his foot from Harry Kane's pass every single time. So I I think what we're the best way to replace that creativity is to get a creative player in the mix, right? And number one right now, Deli Alley needs to he needs to play uh if Sonny's not going to be on the pitch Lucas gets to move out wide and Delhi comes there in the middle um and there can even be some rotation there and just cause some problems down that left hand side the best news though uh the easiest fix the most impactful fix I think is going to be Giovanni Lacelso getting back in an actual game and, and playing that is going to be such a huge, yes, exactly. That's going to be such a huge get back for us. Um, and, and hopefully he's kind of taken an extended break now and has his, uh, his injury problems kind of under wraps and the physio staff knows what's going on and knows how to kind of work with him to, to limit his minutes or limit his intensity or whatever to, so that he doesn't miss basically a full season again, but man, Giovanni Lasoso is going to be a breath of fresh air, into this team and hopefully he's going to be able to, to spur this team on to lifting a trophy, maybe even two and fighting, clawing our way into that, that top four uh, spot, which is 
somehow still into play. Somehow it's still into play. <laughs> but we need yeah. to get our stuff together if we want to keep it that way. And it is, it's bizarre that that still is, is a realistic uh, thing for us. And look, I think a lot of that does come down to the, to the severity um, of Hoyman Son's injury. But it's, it is, in, in some case, typical Tottenham that on a weekend where, where Chelsea draw at Leeds, where Everton lose at home to Burnley, and where West Ham drop points at Manchester United, when we have that chance to, to really put ourselves right in the middle of that top four mix, that we go and we perform like this and we, you know, we kind of we throw everything away. Uh, Kev Williams here with the £2 Super Chat says, think uh, the Lamella red card has been an overreaction. Uh, Kev, thank you very much for that Super Chat. Uh, we will Stewart as well with the $5 says, it's simple, Matt. Sun's pace and off the ball movement uh, creates space for the centre and the right side of the pitch, even more so at Reglan, which is a, a fantastic point as always from Will. Um, I'm sure Will will have a, a lot to say about uh, Lamella and his performance yesterday. Will also says, we are easier to defend against without Sun. Absolutely. Uh, it's That's just the, the unfortunate fact of the matter. And, and Robbie, following on from that, with Son potentially being out, and look, it, it may be a muscle injury that keeps him out for two or three weeks, but then you know he probably won't be back to his, his physical peak for, for another couple of weeks after that. With the impact of this injury, do you think our season could be over? No. I really don't think the season's over. I really don't think the season's over if Son's out. Although it's a massive blow, I still believe we have something to fight for. And that's that's honestly why I believe Arsenal beat us, and that's a partially reason why they did because they've got nothing basically to lose. They really have got nothing to lose in the Prem. Well, we're fighting for top four, and it's typical Tottenham who boil it when it comes down to something achievable. But for me, we're under the most successful manager, one of the most successful managers in the history of football, right? And this manager's taken us right now in the round 16 of the Europa League, looking likely to get to the quarterfinals. We're in a Carabao Cup final. A lot of people saying it's City's one-off game. Top four may still be on. It's going to be very, very tough considering tonight's result. But in my opinion, you know, you have to focus on your open league over Prem. But as you say, you know, Sun's injury is a massive blow. But recently, for me, he hasn't looked the same Sun. And I think, look, I personally think Sun could be going in the summer. I think he could be a big player that goes in the summer. I think this contract situation is going on, um, gone on for about three, four months now. He still hasn't signed it to this day. Now he's out injured for a while. Something just tells me Son's not on it recently. And something tells me he is going to leave Tottenham this summer. And, you know, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? I think if we win the Europa League, um, he'll stay. I don't think the Carabao Cup's enough. But at the end of the day, he served this club for five years and we haven't bought him absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And in my opinion, no, injury's a massive blow. We've still got things to play for, but for me, you can't focus on top four. No one, please, please no one say focus on top four more than Europa League. Because Europa League's competition, one, it's a huge trophy. For all I care, if Jose wins the Europa League, he can go. Because he's bought us a trophy. That's what he committed to, right? Brings us a trophy. If, he, if we can win the Europa League, one, it gets you Champions League football as well. Two, it's a huge trophy. The two things we've been looking for this whole season, what's the point in just going for one of those, which is going to be a lot, lot harder, if you ask me, against teams who are also in the Europa League, but may not be getting that same position. And yes, there are some tough teams in the Europa League, but you look at our next few fixtures in the Premier League, Villa, United, you know, the likes of Everton, Leicester on the final day. It's not going to be easy, but for me, you have to focus on your uh, Europa League, especially now that Sonny's out. And it's, you know, we all know this team can drive when a big player's injured. We saw it with Kane in the Champions League, and hopefully we can see it with some. But right now, I just really do, um, I really do worry it's going to collapse again. You know, can these players stay positive? Can some of these confidence players stay positive 
move on and actually keep going for the rest of the season? Or is this such a big knock that we're going to go back down that road of that 1-0 loss to Brighton, the 5-4 to Everton, the 3-0 to City, the 3-1 to Liverpool, I can go on all day because it, it kept on happening. I just really hope it doesn't go that way. But as I say, we must focus on the Europa League now, especially with Sonny out. I'm not sure how long he will be out for. God, I hope it's not for long. But as I say, it's a big, big blow to the team. Big blow. It is. Uh, it is a, a crazy... Oh, go ahead. I was just agreeing. Uh, and, and a, but a quick a quick bit about that. Sonny maybe, maybe leaving. He did change his representation uh, for his agency uh, in the summer. And mm-hmm. a lot of people think that might be tra- him trying to, to get a move to Madrid. And with all of the injury woes that uh, Eden Hazard has had uh, during his time at Madrid, they could very well be looking for a new left-sided winger. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think it's too far-fetched that, that Son will be gone in the summer. You know, you, people always talk about Harry Kane and whether he'll leave, but I feel as though he has more of a, an affiliation and more of a loyalty to the club than, than Son ever will. And you look at, as you pointed out, uh, Real Madrid potentially needing a replacement for Hazard. I think Bayern Munich and PSG are also teams that aren't out of the question. You, we all know how much Bayern love a winger. And with, uh, of course, PSG, the constant rumours about the futures of Neymar and Mbappe, and also the fact that they have almost unlimited money. I think it wouldn't be the, the most uh, insane thing if they did bring in Son. Um, Han here comes in and says the Dinamo boss has been sent to prison. We'll touch on that very shortly in a second, just before we do wrap up. Uh, for those who don't know, the Dinamo Zagreb uh, manager, who was on the touchline against Spurs last week, has been sentenced to five years in prison. It's a, it's a crazy story. We'll get into that a bit in a second. But um, I know a few of you do want to touch on the the penalty that Arsenal were given yesterday. Now, before we do that, I want to bring quickly two very, uh, very disturbing stats. Uh, Spurs have dropped 45 points from winning positions against Arsenal in the Premier League, the most of any team against a specific opponent in the competition. So not just the most Spurs have, the most of any team in the entire competition, the fixture where a team have dropped the most points is Spurs in the North London Derby. Also, Spurs have now lost nine games in the Premier League this season. The joint most Jose Mourinho has ever suffered in a single league campaign in his managerial career. Also nine in 2015-16 with Chelsea, when he, of course, lost his job. Um, very concerning stuff there. Will with another $5 super chat says, I'm not sure if people understand the difference between positive movement and reactive movement off the ball. Son is positive and Lamella is reactive. I look, I don't think anyone will will question the fact that Son is a better footballer than Lamella. I think Lamella at times does, does offer something a bit different, but <laughs> I know uh, Will is fairly um, stuck to his opinion that he's uh, not a big fan of Eric Lamella. Um, but look, uh, Dakota, we come to this uh, first of all for you on, on the penalty. What did you make of it? Yeah, my, when I first saw it, well, when I first saw it, I thought Sanchez got the ball, honestly. Um, and then watching back the replay, it's very obvious that that's not the case. Um, Alexander Lacazette just totally missed, mishit the ball. And in his follow through, in my opinion, in his follow through, catches Davinson Sanchez uh, on the leg and it's given a penalty. And on top of that, Davinson Sanchez is given a yellow card for it even after it goes to VAR. So for my opinion, it's never a penalty. And I really hate that that was the, the deciding factor in this game. Um, I, I think that's, it, it really, it leaves a, uh, it even worse taste in my mouth uh, at the end of this game, knowing that it, you know, I hate could have, should have, and would have, but it could have and should have and would have been at least a draw. And who knows what, how the rest of the game plays out if that is, not given as a pin and you know in our our pre-game uh pre-game live stream for Podspur TV yesterday I I said that Alexander Lacazette was going to cause us a problem and that I I much would have preferred uh Albemiang been in there and 
I, I, I think there's an argument that if Aubameyang is taking that penalty instead of Alexander Lacazette, the ball doesn't go in the back of the net. Um, I think Hugo Lloris is just in that man's head um, in penalties. So it's just a, an all-around just unfortunate event. And um, I'm glad that there's a bunch of ex-pro footballers that are coming out and agreeing that it was never a pen. Makes me yeah. feel better about my opinion because I got bashed for it <laughs> yesterday on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? What was your your reaction? Uh, I'm gonna be controversial here and say it's no different to the penalty that was given against us against Manchester City uh, with Gundogan and Hoybiak, which then, uh, which seems to be the <clears throat> the biggest argument with football at the minute, and not just with with penalties like this. Uh, was the was the decision correct in my opinion? Yes. Is the law wrong? Yes. That's the for me. That's the issue that we're having across football at the minute. Um, if that's if that's in the middle of the park, if that's in their half, if that situation happens, if someone kicks the ball away and then you take someone out, it's a free kick. Um, I I don't see why in the penalty area. It, it would in the current situation it'd be treated any different for common sense yes that's not a penalty and that's why you see all these players kicking off about it um ex-players because to them it's just it doesn't make logical sense but i think that's the issue with with the game at the minute and refereeing decisions at the minute it seems that people that are making these decisions and making these rules are people that have either never watched football or never played football in their lives because they know that these things go on you know if if, if lacazette sticks it top bins and doesn't slice it, um, you know, we're, we're talking about, we're not even talking about Sanchez's tackle. If if Gundogan completes his his Cruyff turn and goes behind Hoybierg and slots it across, we're not talking about it. You know, it, it's just it's just silly, like really silly. It, it's just the rule. The decision, sadly, I think was correct. Uh, when I saw it, I thought it was a penalty. Um, but again, I think the issue and the gripe that a lot of football fans have got in the minute is that these rules just aren't, there's no common sense in these rules anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'll go ahead, Robbie. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I absolutely completely agree with you there. Look, I don't think it's a penalty, but with these rules, it has to be given as a penalty. In my opinion, Sanchez, as I say, goes in for a tackle. There's not much he can do. You can't blame Sanchez for that. In my opinion, he actually had quite a good game. You can't blame Sanchez for that. He goes for the ball. He doesn't even catch him on the leg. He kind of uh, goes into him, as I say. And with the rules right now, it is a penalty. Um, like you say there, though, Dakota, when I first saw it, I thought, what a tackle. And when I saw the penalty, a few swears may have came out of my mouth. But, you know, in my opinion, I just think... Um, I just think it was the right decision, but the wrong decision at the same time, like you say. Yeah, I, yeah I, 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 that's a good, that's a good way to sum it up. Yeah, what I was going to say is I, I think the the best way to describe it is it's a modern day penalty, and <laughs> I feel as though like there was there's a comment there a while ago saying contact in the box is a penalty, and that does seem to be where we are right now. And I I put a, a similar kind of uh, spin on the, the the challenge all Arsenal fans are going on about when when Harry Kane clattered Gabriel Magalhaes. Now look, I'm sure if it was the other way around, we still would be doing the same thing, but. The same people that are saying the game has gone soft are the same people saying Harry Kane should have been sent off for running into a man. Like that that's not that's not dangerous play, that's not violent conduct, it's not something that ever in the past would have been given as as a red card or even something that would have been spoken about. I feel the rules of the game, of course, at the moment there there's so many grey areas and there's a lot of stuff we do not know. 
But one thing that we can all be guaranteed at the moment is contact in the box is a penalty. And Dakota, I do agree with you. I don't think there was enough contact there. I don't think the the cause of the contact was fully Davinson Sanchez's fault. I think that the reason it's given is because it's, it, it is a 50-50 collision with Sanchez yeah. trying to make the block and Lacazette kind of losing his balance. But the very fact that Lacazette was the man in control of the ball before the collision occurred, I, I think is is reason enough to give that penalty. But you know, if, if it was purely at my discretion, whether that should be the rule, I, I'm not sure I would give that penalty. And look, I, I'd say that the other way as well. I'm all as honest as, as I can be. I think if, if that had been in the Spurs box, we would have called for it. But I'd also have an element of doubt about whether or not it should have been given. Um, now, before we do touch, touch on a few more things, there are 110 people watching live on YouTube right now. Please do smash that like button uh, and make sure to subscribe as well if you haven't already for more of the Tottenham Fan Voice podcast, live watch-alongs and any Spurs content you could want. Uh, a few things I do want to say before we go. Um, we, we mentioned it a second ago. Uh, the Dinamo Zagreb manager, uh, Zoran Mamic, has been sentenced to four years and eight months in prison for um, this crazy money laundering thing that has actually been going on for a while. And a, a big part of this is to do with the, the transfer, which saw Luka Modric actually join Spurs from Dinamo Zagreb way back, and I think it was 2008. Now, what this means for the game on Thursday is, at the moment, completely unclear. There's a lot of pressure on Dinamo Zagreb to actually sack the manager as a convicted criminal uh, before the game goes ahead. But there's uh, actually some reports coming out of Croatia that because of the, the scope of the game and how big it is for Zagreb, they're actually reluctant to sack him because he won't be sent to prison for another eight days. It is a, a truly bizarre uh, t- turn of events at the moment, but um, I'm sure we, we'll, we'll have a lot of updates over the next couple of days about whether or not Soren Mamic will be on the bench um, for this game on Thursday. Now, I do want to get a quick uh, opinion from all of you before we go. Uh, Kev Williams asked it in the chat a while ago, and I apologize, Kev, for not getting to the comment earlier. Uh, there's just a, a bit of a uh, sort of structure to this podcast for a change. Um, top four and Europa League, is it possible, Jay? Uh, if, if everyone else... If if uh, if everyone else uh, carries on playing as badly as we play, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, 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 we 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 look we lose against our our arch nemesis, and we're in pretty much no worse of a position than when we were when we started the game. Like, it, what Premier League season has that been like? So for me, yeah, I, I think they're both on. Um, I think avoiding Arsenal and United in Europa League is going to be key to us getting one to the final um, uh, because I don't fancy playing one of those early on. Obviously, I know you've got to beat the best to be the best, but I'd rather they get knocked out by someone else and then us play because we play well against European teams. It's, it's proven. So, yeah, I think it's both possible. But again, it just relies on uh, everyone else being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with the way this season's going, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen. Uh, Robbie, I know you, you kind of touched it a bit earlier, but Europa League top four, which you think is possible? Look, both are possible without a doubt. The type of season it is. Last season, right now, we'd be about fifteenth, sixteenth in the league, fighting for relegation. The points we're on, but you have to look at the season and see everyone slipping up. It's utter madness, like you say there. And you know, I completely agree with you because I think both are possible, but. I have a strong opinion that you should prioritise on the Europa League. Dakota, what's your take? Yeah, um, Europa, I think, is very possible. I would love to avoid whoever wins between uh, Milan and Manchester United in the next round. I would also like to avoid Ajax because they're going to come with some revenge in their mind, and I don't really want that smoke just yet. Uh, I would rather play them play them later. Um, and the Premier League top four. Are you ta- are you asking if it's mathematically possible? Because yeah, but are we? Is it going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'd be happy with a fifth or a sixth at this point right now. Um, and then I'd be you know obviously buzzing for four. But yeah, 
We'll see. There's there's what ten games left, thirty points left up for grabs. Yeah. Let's get them all and see what happens. What do you say? <laughs> let's do it. Look, I'm saying we we have two games in hand in Man City, so why not? Let's go and win the league title. You know, let's have a let's have a bit of confidence. Um. Anyway, look, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, Jay, Dakota, Robbie, thank you very very much for for all your time today. Um. Look, anyone who is new to the channel, uh, if you want more uh, Tottenham watchalongs, we had over twenty six thousand people tuning into one yesterday, which is absolutely crazy. Wow. Um. Tottenham fan voice podcast match reviews previews anything you want from a Spurs channel. Uh. Do make sure to go down and smash that subscribe button down below. And if you do want access to exclusive content plus member calling shows before every single game uh hit that join button down below as well and everything will be explained for you there uh, before we go uh, we're going to go around uh jay first of all do you want to let us uh let us know where we can find you on socials uh yeah so you can find me on on all socials uh at jj season and on uh twitch and youtube uh doing the sporty season podcast which is nothing to do with spurs because as you can tell there are already a million brilliant spurs content creators out there I'm not coming into that market. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> to, to quote Dakota. I don't want that smoke. Um, you know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and it, I, I talk about all things sports, uh, talking NFL, and I talk esports as well. So uh, yeah, you can find me on all socials at JJ Season. Dakota, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me same on all the socials at Dakota J Booth, the letter J, uh, and I'm representing Podspur TV. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Tottenham Pod. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, Podspur TV. Uh, we, we, we've been doing live uh, recordings of our podcasts. So hop in there, post matches and, and interact with us and uh, subscribe, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And we'd love to see you all over there. Absolutely. And Robbie, let us know. Yeah, like, uh, like both of you say, as I say, you know, you can find me on Twitter, Lane Lily White, on YouTube, Lily White Lane. As a brilliant Tottenham Hotspur fan content, if you do want to check me out, a couple other people who run the show and channel with me, as I say, you know, all part of a massive Spurs community, which I'm very, very proud to be in, as I say, it's an honour to be on this live stream. But it's enough about me, guys. If you're here and you haven't already, please smash that like button and subscribe to Matt Hayes. This guy's coming on here tonight after a crashing North London derby defeat just to basically come on here and please you guys and create fantastic content again. So before you check me out, Please, as I say, if you haven't already, support Matt Hayes and these guys. Thanks very much for that, Robbie. I appreciate it. And I highly recommend, highly recommend everybody uh, to go and check out these three guys in the socials as they've just listed there. Um, from us, for now, uh, that is it. Uh, I'm sure, as someone said in the in the comments a while ago, it was a, a worthwhile therapy session. Uh, Spurs now do move on to Dinamo Zagreb on Thursday. We'll have a, a preview for that on Wednesday. Maybe a bit more about their uh, convicted criminal of a manager. But look, we'll see. Um, thank you to everyone who's joined. Um, let's take a quick look at the numbers. We've had uh, nearly 800 people joining us over the last hour or so. So thank you very much to, uh, to each and every one of you. And again, thank you so much for 6K subscribers and for 900K views. Um, or nine, 900K, yeah. I was, my math's wrong there um make sure to check us out on spotify as well uh the tottenham fan voice podcast uh this recording will be up there very very shortly um everyone who's joined uh thanks so much for watching Bye. sports social podcast network Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.